Come on, let's give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on, he is worth, don't get quiet on me now, fresh start. There is a sound of war this morning. There is a sound of battle. Come on, real loud. There is a sound of battle and somebody is fighting for something that's bigger than just themselves. When we come in this room, we are fighting for something. We are fighting for somebody. Our shout isn't for no reason. Our praise isn't for no reason. Our worship is not of insignificance. But there is something something at stake. There is something that won't happen if you don't praise. There's something that won't happen if you don't shout. The sound that you hear is a sound of war. The sound that you hear is a sound of battle. The sound that you hear, it is an ecclesia sound. It is a people group sound. It is a group of people that have come out of something and have come into something. See, where our praise and our shout is not mere theatrics or, or, or just exercise. It is a praise of deliverance. It is a praise of healing. It is a praise of breakthrough. And some of you real loud in the monitors and some of you that aren't catching it. You know, I look back as we're praising you and as Pastor Kim is up here. I look back at some of you and there's still the coil of bondage. There's still the rope of religion. There's still this thing in you going, I don't understand it. Why are they doing the things that they do? Why are they praising the way that they praise? But understand that there's something that has happened to us. There's something that has changed in us that is influencing us to praise a certain way. Something that maybe you haven't experienced, but this morning God is bringing us into an encounter with him. It is not an emotional only encounter. It is a faith encounter. It is a faith experience. And God is challenging. Can I just preach prophetically this morning as a son of this house? God is challenging the things that are holding you back from revival. God is challenging the spirits that keep you silent. The spirits that hold you back. The spirits that keep you from being fully committed to God. The spirits that keep you entertained for hours on social media. I'm coming right at you today. I'm coming at the spirit of distraction. I'm coming at the spirit of laziness. I'm coming at the spirit of indifference. I'm coming at the prayerless spirit. The religious spirit. The passionless spirit. Every enemy come on help me preach. Every enemy of revival. We are confronting it today. I woke up this morning and I felt the Lord say, my sword is against the plans of the enemy in this house. My army is against the plans of the enemy. That the sword of God is cutting the head off of every unclean spirit that would try to hold you back. The sword of God is cutting the head of atheism off. Is cutting the head of the new age off. Is breaking the back of witchcraft is cutting the head of delusion off. The power of laziness is being broken today. That spirit that has been holding you back is being broken. I came in an atheist. 
So trust me, you weren't worse than I was when I came in. The house of God and the power of God, not just a preaching sermon, not just a message. And truth be told was, the message was about world missions and I was an atheist. Made no sense to me. But the sword of God, the hand of God, Jesus called it the finger of God. The finger of God is the spirit of God. And there is real power to deliver. There is real power to break strongholds. There is real power to to get liberated from discouragement, from weariness, and from tiredness. God says, I have not put that on you. There is a real battle going on even now. And some of the most powerful radical warriors, there's a war in your spirit being waged. And God says today, I'm putting my finger on that. I'm releasing my power on that. That my sword is cutting off the head of the serpent, that every scorpion and every serpent that has come in this house is being trampled by the presence of God. Maybe your demons were safe at your church, but not in this house. We are a house that confronts the plans of the enemy. We are a house that confronts the works of darkness and recognizes spiritual attack is real. I've not given you a timid spirit, not just timidity, not just fear. It's not an attribute. It's a spiritual thing. It's not a personality. See, we've made spirits, and this is not again in my notes, praise the Lord. We've made spirits, personality types in the church. I'm not talking the world now, please. I'm not talking about multiple personalities, schizophrenia or altars. I'm saying in the church, we have made spirits, personalities, and here's what we do. We get up here, we shout, we praise, we worship, we go to battle, we go to war, and we intercede, and then there are others of us, okay, I don't have glasses on, so don't email me saying I was staring at you the whole time, pointing you out, but there's others of us that say, it's not my personality to shout that way, or praise that way, or dance that way, I get it, you say that, you believe that, but why is it that when Pastor Kim gets up, when Pastor Paul gets up, when Jessica and Sam are up there, why is it there's something in you that's annoyed, why is it there's something in you that's angry, why is it that my preaching is frustrating you today. Is it possible that your timidity is not your personality but it's an unclean spirit that you've allowed to stay on board. It's an unclean spirit that you've allowed to rent out a room in your home. And God is saying today that I have not given you the timid spirit. I have not given you a spirit of fear but of power, of love and a sound mind. I'm not the only one that wants to get delivered, am I? I'm not the only one. This does God break my timidity, break my shyness. I'm telling you, God is raising up the warrior spirit. God is releasing violent believers. Nobody will stand before God. And God say, you did too much for me. With all of our radical shouting, our praising, our warfare, our violence against the enemy's kingdom, because that's what it is. There is not one of us in this room that is doing too much for God. There is not one of us in this room that's too extra. You Imagine standing on judgment day and God saying, oh, I just don't know. You shouted just a little too loud. You praised just a little too hard. You evangelized just a little too much. You just cast out too many demons. I mean, it doesn't take all 
all that. Friend, you've got to understand the season that we are in. And if you weren't here last night, we are in the last days. That's all I'm going to say about the message. The season that we are in, we are no longer afforded the luxuries to go play around and do nothing for God. We are no longer afforded the luxuries to spend hours a day on social media. We are no longer, maybe last year, praise God, but we are no longer afforded the luxury to spend hours and hours consuming the productions of the culture, the entertainment that the world is producing. And you say, brother, ain't nothing wrong with it. Well, the problem is the systems of this world are producing it and the church is consuming it. It's not just that you're consuming the music, the movies, the culture, and the social media. It's that you take in that all week long and then you come here and we have to convince you as to why you should consume praise. You should be consumed by the fire. And you got no problem. Nobody's making you spend hours watching movies. But Jessica and Sam have to get up here and lead a, a, a people, not, a, not a, an at large, but some of you in this room that all week long have not been in the place of praise. And you're going like, man, this is weird. Why are they doing this? It's foreign to me. That's the issue. It's foreign to you because you're not living the life outside the church. See, the Bible says, this is what David said. He said, I enter with thanksgiving. I enter his gates with praise. I always thought David meant I enter by praise and by thanksgiving. And that is a true element. And that is a true biblical principle that our entrance into God's presence is by praise and is by worship. But I want to show you something here that David was not just saying, because I don't want to be one-sided, that that's how I get in. But David was actually saying, when I enter into the house of God, I'm entering with praise. That means I'm bringing my praise with me. I'm bringing my shout with me. You don't have to beg me or convince me baby because I've brought this thing. I've been praying all week long. This atmosphere isn't foreign. This atmosphere is normal. I live Monday through Sunday in the place of worship. In the place of praise. And so I'm entering with thanksgiving and praise. What are you talking about Sunday? I don't just praise on Sunday. Oh man, I gotta be nice here. I I really don't actually because I'm the son of this house. If this is the only time you're getting worship, you will not survive in the last days. Please hear my heart. If this is the only time you're praising, you will not survive in the coming storm. If this is the only time that you are praying, you will not survive the last days. If the 1% of time you spend at church is the only time that you're hearing the word from God, then you will not survive in the coming storm. I believe God is raising a people that are going to get their marching orders in the church and are going to go be violent against hell's kingdom. I believe God is raising people. And on the other side of that, there's some of you that think you don't need this. Let me ask you this question because we're exposing the devil, obviously, this morning. The voice that tells you you don't need to be, be a part of a church, who do you think that, that is? Just think about this. Oh, brother, I am the church. Actually, you're not the church according to the Bible. The Bible doesn't say you're the church. It says we are the church. 
The word church means a group of people that have come together and come out of darkness. It doesn't mean Joe Schmo Facebook prophet that just does online church and praise the Lord for you. But I'm saying there's something happening here that you can't get on your couch. There's something happening here that you can't get on social media or YouTube. And I'm a YouTuber, praise God, and I'm preaching this. There's something about the corporate gathering that when you come together, chains break that would have never broke. When you come together, we experience God in ways we never otherwise experience God. There is a corporate breakthrough. There is a corporate, come on, real loud. There is a corporate shout. There is a corporate praise. There is a corporate sound. There we go. Of revival that God is releasing. So get out of here with that hole. Oh, I just have church by myself. God has put you together in an army to overthrow. You think the devil's afraid of you on your couch? But when we come together and we lift our shout, you know who it annoys? Satan. If you're annoyed, it's because there's something of the devil in you. I don't have 45 minutes to explain that to you. If you're mad, the reason why they were mad is because Jesus is anointing and his presence threatened things that have been built for years in religion. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus starts his ministry by threatening the traditional Sunday morning, go through the motions, run sheet, got to go in order. Everybody gets five minutes and a 20 minute word and a three minute altar call and a two minute prayer and Jesus comes and threatens the very foundations of religion and his presence made the devil mad. There is no genuine Christians that I'm making mad this morning but there are some of you that have allowed religion to constrict you. You've allowed religion to put a muzzle on you. You've allowed religion to shut you down. There's no longer a desire to evangelize. There's no longer a desire to lay hands on the sick. I'm talking about outside the church. There's no longer a desire to get in the place of prayer. We are timid about our faith. At our jobs, we're timid about sharing our faith. At our school, we're timid about sharing our faith. We are timid everywhere we go. We walk around like the gospel's a big secret that only can be talked about on Sunday morning. So we go out there and the best thing we do for God, and I want you to do this, and it's biblical, is invite people to church on Sunday. That That is the high point of the Christian life. Should we invite people? Of course we should. It would be ignorant to get up here and say we shouldn't. But I want you to understand something. Don't use you inviting people to Fresh Start as a crutch to not ever advancing the kingdom of God outside the church. I know the heart of this house. The heart of this house is not to have good services where we fall over. The heart of this house is to empower the glory global body of Christ to be the warriors that God has called them to be, to go into the kingdoms of this world and to infiltrate the darkness with the gospel. We are in delusion if we're only praising here. We are in delusion if we're only worshiping here. We are in delusion if it stops at that door. Feel good. Feel good. I had my Sunday morning and then we go home. 
And then Monday rolls around and we neglect God. And then I'm preaching truth. And then Tuesday rolls around and we neglect God. And then Wednesday rolls around and we have the busyness of life and the pleasures of this world and the desires and we're consuming the things that the world has called us and created us to consume. And we become friends with the world and then we come to this house and we have to break in every time. We have to break through every time. We have to finally get to a place where it's like, Lord, I want to know you. I want to serve you. But how quickly we forget religion will cause you to leave it in the house. And God is saying in the same way Mary and Joseph left me at the temple I am tired of the people of God leaving me at the church I am looking for a people that would be bold for my kingdom how do I get bold I get delivered from the spirit of timidity I get delivered from the spirit of fear I get delivered from the status quo there are days where I gotta make myself praise there are days where I gotta make myself shout there are days where I gotta talk myself in, but I'm not walking by feeling. I'm walking by faith. I'm led by the Spirit of Almighty God. I'm led by the Spirit. And we say this, I'm led by the Spirit. Okay, so this week, how's the Spirit led you? I mean, guys. We gotta think about this stuff. I'm preaching every verse out of Acts right now. I think I'm on chapter 15. And I'm going through this. I'm like, man, first of all, this is way longer than I thought. Okay, I thought this would take me a month. I'm like months in. And I'm reading this and I'm jealous when I read this. I'm jealous because I see guys that are actually led by the Holy Spirit in their everyday life. They're getting dreams and they're getting visions and they're getting encounters and there's prophecy and there's miracles and there's deliverances breaking out and there's persecution and they're dying and then getting raised from the dead and then and then preaching and they're excited when they're persecuted. People are talking bad about them breaking their bones, beating them down and they're going, Lord, thank you for letting us be worthy to suffer for your name's sake. They're excited about the world coming against them. There's something in them driving them. There's something in them fueling them. There's something in them moving them. And I'm wondering, are we at times led by religion in our weekly schedule or are we led by the Spirit? I believe that God desires to break us out of the religious mold and I am not I am not preaching about Sunday morning or church I'm talking about letting religion lead you throughout the week see religion says you don't need to do anything for God outside the church religion says you don't need to baptize you don't need to disciple let your pastor do that religion disarms you for the things of God religion says you're not called to drive out demons only Isaiah is. Religion says you're not called to heal the sick, but the voice of religion is the voice of the enemy. And so we say, we listen to the enemy, we bind to his lie, and then we say, well, this is God telling me to do this. God's telling you not to pray for the sick. God's telling you not to baptize people. God's telling you not to make disciples. God's telling you not to preach outside the church. God's telling you not to worship. God's telling you not to praise. Is God the one telling you not to respond to altar calls? So we have to understand if there is an 80% of us, I don't care if there's 95% of us that are at this altar praising, worshiping, responding to God in his word. Not saying Isaiah changed me, Pastor Kim changed me, Pastor Paul, but we're genuinely coming saying, Lord, change me. Lord, deliver me. Friend, there is something in me. I woke up this morning 
with a hunger for God like I've never had it in my life. There is a deep yearning in my heart. I didn't come with a fancy word or fancy message. I came in the power and the demonstration of God so that your faith would not rely on me, but your faith would rely in Him. There is an unquenchable desire and a hunger for more of God. That means every time this building is open, I got to get to the house of God. That means my work is not more important than my the house of God. That means my family is not important. That means my vacation is not as important. That everything is about being in a place where God is at, where God is moving. Come on, I need somebody that says there is a cry that what I've experienced is not enough. That I need more from God and I need more in God. Not okay. Where Isaiah Saldivar's at today, it's not okay. I'm not where I need to be. I'm not how hungry I should be. I'm not as desperate as I should be. I am not where God wants me to be. I am not where God needs me to be. And there is more for me. And the striving, religion says you're fine where you're at. But real revival says that there's a hunger for the deeper things of God. That there's more that the Holy Spirit is drawing us into. See, I believe today that there are some bystanders. I believe today there are some Christians that think that God wants you in the stands. That think that God wants you on the side. That God is saying that it is not my plan that you live on the fringes of the religious system. It is not my plan that you live on the outskirts of revival. It is not my plan that you live your life timid and shy. And there's no boldness about you. There's no tenacity about you. There's no warrior attitude about you. My plan is that every single person would shout so that the walls come down. My plan is that every Every single person. And I'm not content with 95% participation. Not content. So guess what? We're going to get you. We're not going to stop. We're going to keep pushing. We're going to keep pressing. We're going to keep challenging you. And that thing that's mad on the inside of you, we're going to get out of you this morning. Every one of us are coming into a place where the delivering power of Almighty God, Jesus starts his ministry with cleaning out the temple the first week and the last week. Not only cleaning out the temple, but it's a prophetic sign of what happens when Jesus enters into our temple. See, when we are at this altar saying, Lord, come into my life and Lord, enter me. Uh, Biblically, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. That's where the Bible says he is. But through the power of the Holy Holy Spirit and through the person of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is able to function in our lives. That's why the disciples are trying to figure out how could Jesus enter into us. Like Pastor was saying, Nicodemus didn't understand. How could I be born again? How could a grown man go back into his mother's womb? But Jesus was saying, I'm not preaching a natural principle. I'm preaching a spiritual reality. It's not a a physical Jesus in me. It's a spiritual Jesus living through the person of the Holy Spirit, a part of the triune Godhead, the Holy Spirit, not just being a force, but being a person, just as much God as the Father, and just as much God as Jesus. And so Jesus says, I have to leave. I want to stay, but I got to go because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to guide you. See, when Jesus was on earth, he guided the disciples. Tomorrow we're going here. The next day we're going here. You're going to go out and cast out devils. You're going to go out and move them. You're going to, and he was 
guiding them physically in the physical realm. They were following him and Jesus kept telling them, hey guys, I know I'm leading you. I'm guiding you. It's real great. The signs of wonders, all the stuff you're seeing. But there is coming a time where I'm going to leave you. In other words, your hand, I'm not going to be holding your hand and guiding you and leading you and directing you. I've already given you the commandments. I've already told you what to do. And he said, it's better if I leave so that I can send the Holy Spirit. If I don't leave, the Holy Spirit can't come because here's the thing. You're going to be relying on me instead of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to send my spirit. And I'm going to be just as much with you when I'm not with you as when I was with you through the person of the Holy Spirit. I always thought, how could Jesus live in me if he's at the right hand of the Father making intercessions for me? And then I understood the power of the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Holy Spirit, and the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I discipled you here while I was on earth, but the Holy Spirit will come and disciple you. Friend, you got to understand that you have 24 hour, is this good preaching? You have 24 hour a day access to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. You have the power to talk, to encounter, and to know Jesus. Everything you need is in Jesus. Everything we're doing is about finding Jesus. When I'm in prayer, when I'm in worship, some of you might not know, and I'm explaining, what are we doing down here? Why are we? What we're doing is we're looking for Jesus in our praise. We are looking when Jessica's up here, when Sam's up here, when pastors are up here, leaders are up here. We are up here looking. We are seeking Jesus. We're trying to find, where are you, Jesus, in worship? Where are you in praise? Where are you in my sacrifice? As we're preaching, we're looking, we're seeking, because the Bible says that you must seek after him. It's not a one-time, oh, I found Jesus now. This is a daily pursuit. This will change your life if your goal every single day is today I'm going to find Jesus. Every day. More important than me finding a like or a share or a follow. Me important, more important than me finding what I'm going to eat. More important than me finding. You ever wondered why when you pray, you start thinking about all these other things? What am I going to eat tomorrow? Where am I going to work? And your mind starts looking for other things that are not of God. Your mind starts searching for things that are not of God. See, the Bible says that the, the flesh is at war against God. And when we're in this house, we're searching for something. Our end goal is to find and to get a hold of Jesus because in Christ is your healing. In Christ is your deliverance. In Christ is your breakthrough. In Christ is your freedom. It is in Jesus that your mind gets restored. It is in Jesus that your marriage gets restored. It is in Jesus that revival happens. You'll never find it in religious exercise. You'll never find it going through the motions. Come on, help me preach today. It is in Christ. And so I seek Him. That's why the Bible says to seek Him first. Seek him first. When I wake up in the morning, I'm obsessed with this man. He's the very first, listen to me, everyone in this room, the very first thing I think about when I get out of bed. And my job as a Christian is not to seek my phone when I get out of bed. It's not to look to the world or to the wife or to the family or to the car. My job is to first seek God. Seek me first. That means God has to be number one. If God is not number one in your life and you can't confidently say that God, I am all consumed every waking moment. I know some of you are like, this is works. I'll get to you in a second. But every waking moment is about God 
God, then I'm not putting God first in my life. And some people say, well, brother, you can't really live it like that. And I'm here to tell you that I am really living it like that. I'm not boasting. I'm not being arrogant. I'm letting you know that there is a level in God where everything in your life is about Jesus. Everything in your life is about establishing the kingdom of God, not just on Sunday, but every day of the week. God is drawing me. God is calling me. And religion wants to compartmentalize. So this is what they say. Oh, you're preaching works. This is a works gospel. Friend, do you think works are really the issue in the American church? If we were to look at the one problem in the church, and you said, Isaiah, what is the assessment of the church at large, the global church? My first thought, Pastor, would not be we have a church that's too much doing too many works. Because if we say that works are the issue, then we're saying that the church is doing too much for God, and it doesn't take all that. But my assessment of the global church, especially the American church, is a church that is lazy, a church that is indifferent. What does indifferent mean? Indifferent means you just don't care. You're coming and you're sitting there and you're like well if God moves cool but if he doesn't cool if people get healed cool and if he does they don't cool and there's no push in you there's no press in you I come against every spirit of indifference I come against every lukewarm spirit that would keep you on the sidelines God is saying choose a side today whom you'll serve religion is a spirit and it killed Jesus It wasn't the world that killed Jesus. It was the modern day religious system. The world's not killing revival. The church is killing revival. The attitude that we have in this house saying, ain't that big of a deal. Doesn't have to take all that. That's a religious spirit and it's killing what God is doing in your life. Remember, the Bible says that when the word is preached in Luke chapter 8, the problem is not the preacher. The problem is not the word. The problem is not the church. The problem is that the people that the word is landing on, the Bible says the devil comes and takes the word from them. And so they hear the preaching and they hear the radical and they're excited. And then they allow the enemy, they're giving them inroads in their life to come and take the word. And today we are coming against every spirit that is trying to steal the word that's being preached behind this pulpit every spirit that's causing you to not how is it possible preaching strong today to hear pastor Kim and pastor Paul I watch them by the way how is it possible I'm literally shocked by this to hear them every week and there be no fruit in your life I want you to think about this How are they releasing the seed of God, the word of God? This is Luke 8. And every week they're releasing it and it's landing on you. It's not like you're not hearing it. You're hearing the word. You're you're, you're hearing it. You're coming to the altar. But then when we look from your life from Monday to Saturday night and then Sunday afternoon, how is it even possible that there's no fruit growing in my life? Now, for some of us, God is pruning us, okay? And it hurts. And God is cutting us. And you're going, God, I just got saved. Why did I lose the boyfriend or the girlfriend? Why am I losing the friends? And I'm losing the desires and there's things that I spent years in love with. I had best friends that I knew since I was seven, eight years old. And at 19 years old, they got cut off. Let's just say it that way. And I'm going, God, it hurts that I'm losing things. And God says, I'm not taking things from you. I'm cutting off dead branches that are not producing fruit. I'm cutting away things in your life. You might say, now again, This is not legalism. I need you to hear why I'm saying this and how I'm saying this. Sports. Let's just use it for example. 
God might be cutting that off. Might be. For me, I could care less about sports. I mean, the, the thought of watching grown men chase the ball and being excited, to me, I'm just saying I'm not being rude, but to me, it just doesn't, it doesn't excite me at all. So for me, that's not a sacrifice. For God to cut off, I'm like, don't matter to me. But for you, that could be something in your life that you idolize over. That could be something in your life that you give more affection, more time, more energy. I mean, there is a problem when you know every name from all your fantasy teams, but you don't know who Malachi is. You don't know who is. You don't know who Jeremiah is. Everyone's like, Jeremiah, what team does he play for? There is an issue when we don't know the books of the Bible, but you can give me the stats of your favorite quarterback. That's, that is. But my point is, there are things in our life that are not inherently bad. There's nothing wrong with the movie. There's nothing wrong with the, the, the sports. There's nothing wrong with the vacations. There's, but some of you, you worship vacation. The high point of your life is getting away and getting on vacation and getting away from revival and getting away and going off and just being on. And so these things we idolize, that is why we will spend weeks planning our vacations, but don't spend an hour praying. When we plan our vacation to whatever theme park we go to, we will literally sit there for weeks. We're going to go here. We're going to buy this and this. I do this too. We plan, plan, plan. And I'm wondering, have you ever done that planning for eternity? Have you ever sat down and said, I need to plan where I'm going to spend forever. I need to strategize this week on what my prayer life is going to be. I need to, I'm very, I'm very a fan of scheduling prayer time because if you're not intentional about praying, if you're not intentional about reading, if you're not intentional about fasting, there's one thing I've learned with spirituality. It doesn't happen on accident. Pastor Kim, I've never been an hour into prayer and been like, how did I start praying? What, 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 how did this happen? All of a sudden, I fell over on my knees and I'm praying in my office for an hour. I have never all of a sudden three days been into a fast and been like, wow, I didn't even mean to fast for three days. I'm accidentally fasting. I've never cast out a demon and halfway through, I'm like, I don't even know how this happened. I'm accidentally. Nothing in the spiritual realm happens by accident. Now, you might accidentally fall into sin. Come on, help me. You might accidentally go work for the devil, but nobody accidentally works for God. See, in darkness, you do things on accident because you don't know what you're doing. But that's why you say, man, I, I can't believe I used to do that. I didn't even know what I was doing. But remember, we are no longer in darkness. We are the children of the light. And so we are intentional about worship. We are intentional about praise. We are intentional about fasting. So practical price of revival. I look at my schedule and say, okay. I'm scheduling an hour of prayer every single day. No, no chant, no, nothing. You're not getting in the way. The picnic's got getting in the way. The vacation's not. A revival weekend, there is not, I don't care what it is. I'm sorry, well you have to, I don't have to do anything. I have to be at the house of God because God has a word for me. So everything else in my life, God becomes number one. Everything about his kingdom, everything about the church, everything about ministry, it becomes number one. And everything else has to get in the back seat. So my job does not tell me what to do. I am not going to allow a job, a relationship, a boyfriend or a girlfriend to stop me. I'm not letting my wife stop me. I'm not letting my husband stop me. I'm sorry, baby. If you don't want to go, I'm going. I'm sorry. If you want to stay and watch the UFC, there's a fight happening at the altar and I'm going to go knock out the devil tonight. If you want to go, you can, but I'm going to the house of God. I'm getting in the place of prayer. Everything is more important. Everything. So I have on my schedule, I'm going to pray for an hour. 
I have on my schedule, I'm going to spend time in the word of God. I have on my schedule for those three days, I'm going to do a fast. I'm not letting the devil plan my schedule. I am not letting the world tell me what I'm supposed to do all day long. I am not because culture will plan your schedule if God does it. The demonic spirits of this world, they would love to tell you how to live your life. And there is an issue when we look at our lives and we don't see the things of God. Religion, the spirit of religion wants to compartmentalize your faith and make you think it's only reserved for the house of God. It's only reserved for a building. See, even in the temple, they had the doves in cages. Even in the temple, they had the Holy Spirit locked up. But when Jesus showed up, the Bible says that he turned the tables and he kicked the cages and the cages broke and the dove got let loose. See, what you're feeling tonight, to this morning, is the Holy Spirit being let loose. What you're feeling is you are in a house where the dove can flow, the dove can fly, where religion is broken, where we break every religious spirit. Somebody is getting delivered from the spirit of religion. Come on, you don't have to pray to Mary. You don't have to rob a rosary. You can go directly before the throne. You can go directly before God. Is anybody else tired of having no fruit? Is the devil stealing your word? The Bible says not just the devil, but the Bible says the other thing that's, that chokes out the word of God. Again, the question becomes this morning, how is it possible to hear them preach every week? I'm, I'm, I'm not here. Listen, I can say whatever I want. I don't get, no one tells me what I have to say. No one tells me what I have to do. But I would say in my estimation, two of, if not the greatest, I'm, I'm being honest, my estimation. Number one, Pastor Kim, in my opinion, is the greatest, is the most anointed, is the most powerful female preacher I have ever heard. And I've been in almost 500 churches. And that would be my estimation. So God did not give you something that's just like not that big of a deal. God did not give you something that's like, oh, it's just, you know, it's whatever. I'm talking about filet mignon. I'm talking about the word of God. The word of God is being preached with power. Now, if you're at a soft church where there's no power in the word of God, there's no anointing and there's no fruit, then I understand maybe, okay, the word's not being represented properly. But you are in a place where it should be illegal for you to come week after week after week and never grow any fruit. It should be a crime for you should stop and say how is it that there's no fruit of joy in my life there's no fruit of passion in my life there's no patience in my life there's no hunger in my life there's no desire to lay hands on the sick there's nobody being discipled I'm not drawn so is the issue the seed or is it the soil says the other thing that stops revival is the Bible says the cares the riches and the pleasures of life None of those things are demonic. None of those things are the enemy. The very first enemy of revival is the devil. He comes and takes the word. And there is a real devil that is outside this building because he is not allowed to hear in Jesus' name. And he and his spirit, and when we say the devil, we obviously don't mean the actual devil. We mean Satan's kingdom, his spirit, his minions. He is the prince of demons. He can only be at one place at one time. But his representatives, that's why when you cast out demons, the demons will say, I'm Satan. They're not actually Satan. They are representatives of 
Satan. That's why when we cast our demons, we come in the name of Jesus. It's not that Isaiah is Jesus. It's that I'm a representative of Jesus. So I'm able to come in Jesus' name because I have his power. I have his authority. I have his uniform and I have his badge. And the demons don't respond to Isaiah Saldivar. The demons respond to the name of Jesus. They respond to the power of Jesus. And they respond to the authority of Jesus. And so understand that these spirits do want to take the word. When you walk out, they want you to forget the word. When you walk out, the Bible says the devil prevents us from being saved and believing. But not only that, the other enemy of revival is the Bible says the cares, the riches, and the pleasures of life. This is the good things, but not the God things. The things that distract us from the fruit growing. The things that choke out the seed. See, there's no room for prayer because I got to make sure that I have pleasure. All my social media is designed is to bring me maximum pleasure. TikTok is designed to release endorphins in my brain. The algorithm is designed to pleasure my brain so that I stay addicted to it. And so because our pleasure is not coming from God, because only we can only get God's pleasure in the place of prayer, because we're not gaining eternal pleasure, we have to look to all the wrong things to find pleasure. But friend, I am not going to let the cares, I'm not going to let the riches, I'm not going to let the pleasures of life rob me from revival and rob me from the fruit. Is it better to live in a five-bedroom home and not have a prayer life than a three-bedroom home and be at the house of God? You don't need the extra bedroom if it's going to cost you not coming to prayer. You don't need that ni- the nicer upgraded trim on the car if it's going to ha- make you work overtime so you're too exhausted to be a man and to lead your family. I'm telling you, God is raising up men that say we are going to lead our families as priests. Maybe your wife is exhausted because she's been carrying your lazy tail in the spirit. Maybe your wife's exhausted because she's the only one teaching your kids. She's the only one praying. Come on, somebody needs to cancel the pay-per-view this weekend and say, I'm having an all-night prayer meeting because I'm not letting my wife run this thing. I've been called to be the priest of my home. I've been called to fight. I don't know why my wife's so tired, doesn't want to do anything because she's praying because you don't. It's a crime in the church where the prayer meetings are 75 and 80 percent women. There's an issue when 80% of the prayer meetings are women. Uh, Statistically, this is just an example. Our analytics of our following is 65 to 70% female. It's not because I'm good looking. Praise the Lord. I'm 130 pounds, y'all. Come on, help me. It's not because they want to watch me and, oh, it's because Isaiah's a guy. It's because the men of God have sat down and they're wasting their life on the things of this world. And we're allowing culture, pleasures, and riches. Should you work hard? Of course you should. I'm not saying quit your job and be lazy but I'm saying stop picking up that overtime shift if it's stopping you from praying if it's stopping you from reading and don't come at me saying I just don't have time every one of us have 168 hours this is about priorities you saying you don't have time to pray for your kids You don't have time to fast. You don't have time to support your wife spiritually. You don't have time to leave your home. As you saying it's not a priority. Oh, that's good preaching. Somebody tweet that. Saying I don't have time in God's kingdom is the exact same thing as saying God is not my priority. 
if I'm in this house this morning and religion has lied to me and I say it's not my I don't have time and I look at my schedule and I say well brother I just haven't had time to let the spirit lead me I just haven't had time to pray I just haven't had time to fast or read all I'm saying to God is God this 